630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Okay, let me get this straight. The Edmonton Oilers, two weeks ago, in a triple overtime thriller in Winnipeg, they lost that game and were swept in four straight. So fast forward to tonight, where the Montreal Canadiens, up 3-0 on the Winnipeg Jets in the series, can win and advance to the Stanley Cup semifinal, if that's what they're calling it. I believe that's what they're calling it. And Oilers fans are going, what the heck just happened here? Yep. <laughs> that's the scenario, folks. As it's Dave Campbell and for Reed Wilkins this week, glad to be with you. And that's the exact scenario tonight. Canadians can advance to their first Final Four since 2014. And that would be the third time in the last, uh, I want to say, 11 years, because 2010 they went on that magical run too. Remember Yarrow Halak in goal when Carey Price was a backup? Can't fathom that now. Um, <laughs> but that's what happened. And then Price got hurt in the Eastern Conference Final Game 1 in 14 because Chris Kreider jammed, rammed into his ankle and broke it. And then Dustin, Dustin Tatarski went the rest of the way. Well, Price has been brilliant so far, and probably the number one reason why the Montreal Canadiens are up three-zip on the Winnipeg Jets. But speaking of the Jets, here's Paul Stastny talking about being down three-zip heading into the uh, I know it's like game. being on the other position, being 0-3 or being 3 nothing. and I know how the mindset changes. You know, if you win so many in a row, if you lose one game, and then you got to travel back to Winnipeg. So for us, it's, you know, win tonight. I mean, we got to go back to Winnipeg anyways. You know, as an opposing team, I know you have a chance to, to sweep and you don't do it. You know, and then it's just, it's annoying that you have to, you know, play another day, play another game, and I go, you know, leave town and fly back to Winnipeg. And that's kind of mindset we had when we played Edmonton, where, you know, after we won, I think there's guys that were talking about, you know, it would have sucked to put it a flying, you know, had to phone back to Edmonton, play another game. You know, you just, you just never know in these series. So, yes, it's rather shocking that we're in this predicament right now that the Canadians are three. Oh, against the Jets and another uh, socially distanced crowd at the Bell Centre in Montreal. So that's good to see. So we'll keep you posted on this game. The other game is in Boston where the Islanders are up 4-2. Yes, the Islanders are up 4-2 on the Boston Bruins. I'll give you the goal scorers for the, uh, I know Jordan Eberle has just scored for the Islanders, his third goal of the season. That's a power play goal. Josh Bailey uh, broke the tie. It was a 2-2 tie, but Bailey with his fifth, that broke the tie to give the Islanders a 3-2 lead before Eberle scored. And then uh, Matt Barzell, who uh, slow start in the playoffs, but has now found his uh, his footing, his third of the playoffs. That's a power play goal. Kyle Palmieri, his sixth of the playoffs, power play goal. So the Boston Bruins have given up three power play goals tonight to the New York Islanders. David Pasternak, his sixth goal of the playoffs, and Brad Marchand with an absolute beauty uh, with his uh, sixth of the playoffs as well. So the Islanders up 4-2. The Bruins with some work to do here. There's uh, about two minutes left to go in the second period. So the Bruins potentially heading to the third period down by two and could go down three games to two with this series headed back to New York. So we'll uh, keep you updated on that series. The other series, and uh, we'll hear these games, uh, or not hear them, we'll we'll talk about these games tomorrow. We'll talk a little bit about uh, the, actually the Knights and the Avalanche. It's a 2-2 series after the Avalanche took the first two games 
in Colorado. And then the last two games in Vegas have been won by the Golden Knights. We'll talk with Connor McGahee, the play-by-play voice of the Colorado Avalanche. And we'll get his thoughts on just the first two games compared to the last two games as the uh, series is tied at two. And tomorrow we could have uh, Tampa Bay Lightning advancing to the uh, Stanley Cup semifinal as they will take on the Carolina Hurricanes as they are up three games to one. So uh, let's, uh, let's, you know, uh, uh, let me do this right now. According to a natural stat trick, so the Islanders are up 4-2, which is the most important stat of all, folks. The most important stat of all. Um, the high danger chances in this game, rather quiet. Two apiece. Scoring chances, 13-12 in favor of the Bruins. So not a lot happening right in front of the net, right in front of the, bo- uh, the, the, goaltender, the goaltenders, that home plate area, or whatever they call it, that high danger chance area, not much going on. Uh, Corsi, which is the total amount of shots taken, or what I like to call possession, 62, uh, 65% in favor of the Bruins, so the Islanders at 35%. So that means the Bruins have had the puck more, but they have not uh, had the, uh, and they've had the better of the chances, by the way, the expected goal ratio, which is basically just chan- the what you give up compared to what you create. If you're over 50, you're creating more than you're giving up. So 68% for the Bruins. That's great. But they're down 4-2 because, well, they've given up three power play goals. So I'm giving you some advanced stats, some hockey analytics. And if you need to take uh, a Tylenol, I don't blame you because I might have to take one as well. (sighs) That was hard. Anyway, analytics has made their way into the hockey world over the last 10 years or, or so. I can't remember when it started. I remember when I was guest hosting this show years ago, I had Tyler Delawan, who was um, one of the, uh, he's not a pioneer, but he's someone that really took advanced stats and, and, and took off with it when he was working for his own site, website. And he, of course, was hired by the Oilers to do some of their analytics. And the Oilers do have a couple of people in, on their organization, within their organization that handles the analytics. It's fun. It's confusing. I didn't know what a course he was until I talked to Tyler that one night uh, years ago, uh, learning about expected goals, high danger chances, scoring chances. That's pretty simple. Oh, Fenwick, Fenwick. Fenwick is, so Corsi is the total amount of shots you take. Fenwick are the total shots that are unblocked for and against. I won't give you the stat. I'll just let it, let it lie. So social media being social media. Ken Holland did an interview. I can't even remember where he did the interview. He, of course, is the general manager of the Edmonton Oilers, and he was talking about analytics. And saying, yeah, we do analytics, and we have a couple of people that do analytics, and we break down the game every every day or after every game, and we bring him to the coach, and then, you know, before games we do that. And then he said, well, you know, my best analytic is goal differential, um, which a lot of people went, huh? Now, I don't know if it was in the right context that, that he said that, but, boy, did it did it really cause a, a, an absolute cure with a lot of people, just an absolute just outraged by some. The Oilers don't use analytics? Well, I don't know if he said that necessarily. But, uh, you know, I'll tell you what I think about analytics. I think it's a great tool. I think it can help you. I think it can 
direct you to maybe some trends as far as team, as far as a certain player, but it doesn't tell you everything. All right. So Tyson Berry, I'll bring him up. Tyson Berry, I think had a pretty good year from the offensive side of the things, right? Um, his expected goal ratio, I believe, was around 50. So he was creating more, or about, you know, it's about even. And that's probably because his defense wasn't so good. But let's focus on the negative by a lot of people. It was like, it was almost like analytics assassination against a certain player. I couldn't believe how many people were talking about his primary assist, his, uh, his uh, time spent with McDavid, his time spent without McDavid, blah, blah, blah. It didn't hurt McDavid because he scored 105 points, if you don't remember. Um, then there's, you know, Dominic Cahoon, who came in with a lot of hype. And, well, you know, enough hype to say, hey, he's going to play with his childhood hero or childhood friend, sorry, Leon Dreisaitl, grew up in Germany uh, after he moved from the Czech Republic. Uh, you know, this this hopefully will work. This hopefully will work. And he only scored nine goals this year. In fact, he was stuck around 5-6 for a lot of the season. But the analytics people kept saying, let's put him up with Connor McDavid because his expected goal ratio was high. Well, they tried that. And he didn't score very much. In fact, he was a healthy scratch the last two games. So what I, what I see here is there's a lot of people going, well, Dave Tippett has failed and Ken Holland has failed because they're not using analytics. And if they would construct the lineup a certain way, according to analytics, then they would do, they would have, a, they would have much more success. And I'm going, okay, wait a minute. Wait a minute. That, 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 no, that, maybe that's true to a certain degree. There were some times I was wondering, for example, should Evan Bouchard be given more of a chance to play? Should Caleb Jones be given more of a chance to play? I don't know. Uh, Chris Russell had his struggles. Adam Larson had his struggles, although I think Adam Larson's start kind of hindered him going forward a bit. But then I'll tell you what, last 30 games or so, he was pretty good. You know, I I love numbers and I love stats. I mean, if you've heard me long enough, you know the time. If you remember the history I have of Mike Riley, he used to play with the uh, Edmonton Elks. Uh, he, uh, he used to bug me all the time how much I love stats. I love stats. I love looking that up because I think that it does tell you something. But at the same time, there's something called the eye test. You look at the uh, overtime period, the triple overtime period in uh, Winnipeg two weeks ago, you know, Chris Russell looked pretty good. Tyson Berry looked pretty good. Darnell Nurse looked pretty good. Adam Larson looked pretty good. I mean, if you look at the high danger chances in overtime, there was hardly any. There was hardly any. They played pretty well. So there's something to playoff experience. There's something to have been to have been there before. There's something to the uh, the grit and the battle that a certain player can bring even if his analytics are not good. The thing that bothers me about analytics is it's not the analytics, it's the people who use them. 
you know, I love natural strat, a stat trick. It's pretty good. Uh, Money Puck is pretty good. There's a couple others that are not bad. Uh, Evolving Wild thought Colton Sissons was better than Leon Dreisaitl in the Hart Trophy voting a couple years ago. No. But I think the people use it against, use that information, and they hold it up against a, a certain team and say, well, I'm smarter than the general manager and I'm smarter than the head coach. I think it's just giving people keep, keep you know, this just more courage behind their keyboard. So I, I found it interesting that we have all this outrage about the Oilers analytics. And I'm not saying they, they maybe they should take a look more, but these are people that have seen the league for a long, long time. So let's just see what they can do. But I think analytics just gives too, 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 too many people, the license to think they can stand tall and to say, well, I, I'm smarter than the coach and I'm smarter than the GM. And why don't they do this? And they're, they're dumb if they don't make the trade that I want to. I know like trade rumors are trade rumors have been around forever and trade rumors are fun, but sometimes they're really silly because it's, I'm going to trade three bad players for their good player. They should love that trade. And you go, mm, no, they wouldn't love that trade. So anyway, Ken Holland has a lot of decisions to make in the offseason. He has Ryan Nugent Hopkins at the top of the list as an unrestricted free agent. He has Darnell Nurse. He has Adam Larson. He has Tyson Berry. He has Mike Smith, who he says he's going to resign. And he could have $30 million in cap space to spend. You know, and there's some attractive options out there, I think. Thomas Tatar and Blake Coleman and players like that. Those players that could fit very well, especially Tatar on the left side. There, there's others too. I mean, look at look Boston tonight. Jake Debrusque is in playing. Do you give him a new lease on life? And maybe I don't know what his contract situation is, but you know, there was some talk about him coming here. I don't know. So anyway, analytics is fun, but analytics is only one tool out of several tools that coaches and managers use. So you can take it as serious as you can or as you would like, but understand after a while, they are just numbers. They, you know, that's all they are. And you can use numbers to manipulate uh, certain players, um, you know, uh, how he plays because you can overanalyze a Tyson Berry in the negative side and you can overanalyze a Dominic Cahoon on the positive side and it kind of can come out as a wash. Tyson Berry was a good player. He was a pretty good player this year. Okay? Not saying he'll resign. I, I, I don't know if he'll resign. I don't know how long you would resign him for, considering what's coming up in the, up in the, in the system. Like Evan Bouchard, is he going to play every day next year? Might be good enough to do that. Dominic Cahoon, will he be back next year? Probably depends on who they can find in free agency. Maybe he's someone you can put on your third line that could score you 10 goals, 12 goals, 15 goals a year. So I love analytics, but I have learned over the years, numbers only tell you a certain thing, a uh, certain number of things, but it's the number, it's, it's analytics and it's the eye test and it's also the person's pedigree. And why do the Oilers lose against the Jets? Their depth scoring failed them. Their primary scoring failed them too. Connor Hellebuck was tremendous in the first two games and really throughout the, the 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 four games. Mike Smith was pretty good, not good enough, not like Hellebuck, but Hellebuck set the bar so darn high. Oh yeah, and they gave up a two goal or sorry three goal lead, 
with, uh, what, eight minutes to go against the Jets in game three. That didn't help either. So there's issues on this team. And that's another thing, too, quickly. They are who they are. You know? So when we argue about the sixth defenseman that should play over the seventh defenseman or the fifth defenseman or the fourth line player who should play over another fourth line player, we're really not addressing the issues. The issues are they need more top end scoring. They need more 20 goal scorers. They probably need another top four defenseman. They need another goalie probably because I don't know if Mikko Koskinen will be back and they will have money available. Then we can judge a year from now where they're at. And we may need another year to judge where they're at. But definitely the time is now for Ken Holland to reshape this team. Anyway, 622, back with more in a moment. win the draw. Barzell, right circle, shoots, he scores! Power play goal for Matt Barzell! He has now scored in three straight games, and he ties this game at one with just over a minute to go in period one! And that is, if you do the math, Matt Barzell's third goal of the playoffs because he didn't score at all before his uh, three-goal uh, run in three straight games. So it's 4-2 Islanders going into the third period of play. Islanders up, or Islanders, if they win, will be up three games to two. And Eric Gustafson has scored for the Canadians, his first in the playoffs. So the Canadians up one nothing on the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, the Habs do not have defenseman Jeff Petrie in their lineup. Uh, might have broken a couple of fingers on his right hand. So uh, Alexander Romanov is uh, into the lineup uh, tonight. So... We'll keep you updated. So we're going to go to Denver soon as well, to the Rocky Mountains, USA style. Yes, that's been a fun series. Avs, Knights, that's been pretty good as well. Uh, a lot of emotion. And we'll uh, hear from Connor McGahee, the voice of the Avs, in the second half hour, plus your feedback as well. Whatever you want to do. Hey, I'm easy. 6.30 Chet Inside Sports, it's Wilkie, it, it's uh, Campbell and for Wilkie. I'm Campbell, Wilkie's off, you get the drill. Thanks for tuning in tonight, 6.33. Dave Campbell and for Reed Wilkins this evening. The uh, phone number to call or text is 780-496-0063. That is the Certainty Hotline, professional-grade building materials pro all the way. Uh, I got a couple texts here. We'll get to those in a, in a, in a jiffy here. So it's still one nothing. The Canadians over the Winnipeg Jets in the first period of play. Eric Gustafson scoring with his uh, first of the playoffs. As I mentioned, Jeff Petrie not in the lineup because of a uh, suspected hand injury. So Alex Romanoff will make his first appearance tonight. Well, he is. So that's tough. I mean, that's a good top four for the uh, Canadians with Shea Weber, Petrie when he's healthy, and then 
Joel Edmondson and Ben Sherratt have played excellent. And that might be a big reason why the, uh, the Jets have struggled in the uh, postseason and why they gave the Leafs a bit of fits, even though I think the Leafs had a lot more success getting to the, uh, getting to the scoring areas, but uh, just couldn't beat Carey Price, where the Jets are having trouble getting to the scoring areas. And tonight they had a good start, but uh, it's one nothing for the uh, Montreal Canadiens. A win, and they advance to the Final Four. The Islanders and Bruins are underway. It is 4-2 Islanders, Game 5 of their East Division Final. And if the Islanders win, they'll be up three games to two. Who do we got on the line, Kellen? Sorry. We've got Ray on the line. Ray on the line. Ray, go ahead. Hey Dave, how are you doing tonight? Good, good. Nice to uh, hear from you. Hey, good. Hey, you know what? Uh, I understand uh, the name change and everything that the Eskimos and the Elks had to go through, but I think it does it injustice when we talk about previous players like Mike Riley, for example, and the pride that they had in, in playing with the Eskimos, I think we should say the Eskimos that they played for, not the Elks. You know what I'm getting at? Well, I, yeah, I understand it. And I think uh, the alumni uh, probably will have to figure out how they're going to handle this at this point, because it, it is awkward for sure. You know, you, you maybe could just say the Edmonton football team. I don't know, but I, I know Janice Agrio said, who at the time was the uh, board chair of the Edmonton football team, said we want to honor our past and honor it uh, in, a, in, a, in an honorable way and in, in, a, in, a, in a, uh, a dignified way. And if I remember the uh, video last Tuesday to introduce the Elks name, they had a lot of the, uh, the, the past Grey Cup championships under the previous name. So, yeah, I, I think that's something, Ray, that they're going to have to uh, figure out. Um, it, it's definitely a little bit strange at this point but yeah, i think a lot of those players do understand why why the name had to change as well so uh anyway uh onward and upward i say ray i just want a season i just want a season so we can see the edmonton elks play on the field and, and the rest of the league all right that's ray ray on the phone line at uh, on the certainty hotline at 780-496-0063 the islanders have scored again and brock nelson has scored his fourth of the season of the postseason, they might get Anders Lee back too. I mean, he was their captain was uh, taking some shots. I think it was pregame before Game Four in Long Island. Imagine they could get him back as well if they advance. Bruins still pretty good hockey club, I tell you. But the Islanders are up five to two on the uh, Boston Bruins. Uh, let's see what he got here. Louis on the. Text line, wonders if Holland should spend as much as possible on a UFA goalie. I feel like there are UFA options out there. Maybe uh, better to sign long-term instead of waiting to see what happens with Smith. Just my opinion, maybe to Karask. Well, he's definitely one of those UFAs. Um, you look at the playoffs and you definitely need goaltending. I mean, goaltending is, and Reed has said it on this show, it's the it's the one position that you need that can really change the game. And Carey Price has done that. For the Montreal Canadiens, Andre Vasilevsky minus the last game has usually done that for the Tampa Bay Lightning. It was a last goal win kind of scenario in game four with the uh, the, the Hurricanes. It was a really high-scoring game. But I don't know. When you got all that money and you got other areas that you got to spend, I mean, I don't know if you can go all in on a goalie. Can you go all in on anybody? And Rask just got pulled, by the way, which has nothing to do with the text at all. But he did get pulled uh, tonight. 
So he's having a rough time. Um, but you know, Hey, Rask is, we know what Rask can do, but you know, you want to spend a max money on a, on a deal when maybe you don't have to, you know, that that's the thing with Ryan Nugent Hopkins is how much money would you give him? Considering he had a, a bad five on five year or a down five on five year. And he played with Connor McDavid and Leander Isaddle for much of the year and didn't produce very much. How much do you say this is the ceiling and I walk away? Is it five? Is it five and a half? I think after that, you're kind of struggling when you maybe could get two players with that price because the flat, the cap is still flat, which I think you might get some bargain basement uh, or uh, bargains out there. Maybe some bargain basements, maybe get a veteran that signs for the league minimum, you know, like we saw uh, across the NHL, you know, can you get a Joe Thornton type? I mean, where Ryan gets play for much less money or, you know, to play here be a third line center. I'm just spitballing here. We'll see what happens. Well, it's been a fun series. The, uh, oh, and the Bruins have scored now. Uh, again, the uh, goal comes from David Pasternak. So the Bruins now within two of the New York Islanders with still a bit of a hill to climb here in game number five of the East Division final against the Islanders. Winner will have a 3-2 series lead. The winner in game five between the Avs and the Golden Knights will have a 3-2 series lead. And the man calling the games for the Avalanche is Connor McGahey. Connor, nice to have you back on the show, my friend. How you doing? Uh, good, Dave. Uh, nice to talk to you. How are things up there? Things are good. Uh, we are living vicariously through everyone else uh, in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, a lot of Oilers fans wondering, okay, wait a minute. The Jets swept us. Why are the Canadians in a position to sweep them? I don't understand <laughs> this, but, you know, chalk it up as one of, you know, a, a weird happening among very weird happenings. Although we were talking and you are now actually traveling. So you got to go to Vegas for the last couple of games for games three and four. Didn't go the Avs way. Tell me what's that like to kind of get back to some sort of normalcy here. Well, it, it is nice. And especially in a place like Vegas where, I mean, I don't want to rub it in, but Vegas is, is back open for business. I mean, uh, uh, no mask mandate when you're walking around and you can, uh, there's no capacity limits anywhere, whether it's a restaurant or inside the arena. Uh, so, I mean, that is nice. And then obviously calling games is, I mean, you can do it off a monitor. Any, any, anybody who's in the league is a pro and can, and can make it happen, but it's hard to really convey what's happening in a game in an environment if you're not there live and in person. So from that aspect, it was nice to, do games three and four in St. Louis and now three and four in Vegas and we'll be back for game six. But uh, it is nice to to get back and really I, I think adds a lot to to the broadcast. And like I said, anybody that you talk to that does this would tell you that you can't do your job properly really unless you're there. Could you do it? Yeah, but I don't think you can do it well unless you're there on scene and and uh, describing the action live. Now I'll ask the next question because some exciting news as far as Canada's concerned and you know it does look like the Montreal Canadiens are going to advance to the to the Stanley Cup semifinal I guess I guess that's what we're calling it I'm not sure exactly how we're calling the the, the second yeah, round or the official nomenclature is the oh. Stanley Cup semifinals that has a lot of sizzle to it anyway but <laughs> I love alliteration <laughs> Now are you approved to come into Canada? I don't know. Well, we got, we, you know, I'm trying not to put the uh, the cart before the horse. Got a series to win first. And Fair enough. I'm not sure that, uh, I mean, we're, we're, we're working on that. 
I know that the, the preliminary conversations have been had, but there are a lot of details to iron out um, to, if that is the case. So if not, I mean, we, we, like I said, we've done it the other way plenty. And, you know, you can, you can do that for two or three games. Like I said, it's always nice to be there, but if it's just too much of a headache, uh, staying back is always a possibility. But, um, yeah, we, we have had preliminary talks on how and if that can work, but uh, we'll just have to see as we get closer um, to the Stanley Cup semifinals. I want to ask you, too, um, and if, okay, I'm not going to make you put the cart before the horse here again, <laughs> uh, but just in general, because up here in, in Canada, we've had the North Division, and, you know, it's it, it was it was fun, I think, to start, then, I think for us uh, up here in Canada, what, what really was the disappointment is the lack of a real yeah. playoff race. Like Toronto was locked in for a while. The Oilers were locked in for, for quite a while. The, then it was Jets and the Canadians. And, uh, you know, I know the, the Blues made it interesting at the end. And I know uh, there was a chance for, you know, home ice for the, the, the Knights, uh, you know, and, and Colorado took that spot. But And they're the top two teams in the league right now. Yeah. And they're playing each other in the second round, which is a, maybe another thing. But what was it like to cover just one division while, the, while there's three other divisions that, I mean, they're there, but you're not really paying attention to it? <laughs> right. I mean, and you feel like every time you turn on the TV, I'm not sure how it is in Canada. If it, I mean, when you see each team 10 times, I mean, that gets old. I, I know all the players, uh, it seems like every time they're asked that question, doesn't matter what team they're from, they can't wait to get back to a regular schedule next year. Hopefully, 82 games versus every team in the league in every building. Um, I think that's what they like. They like the variety and... You basically now, if you go back to the the bubble up there in Edmonton, I mean, you, you have just been on repeat with your opponents um, for for a, for going on a year, maybe just a year and a half now. So, I think the repetitive nature can be good for a preparation standpoint. Bad because you're not going to take anyone by surprise. Uh, you know, your, your tricks are known to the public and everyone knows each individual tendency to a T. I mean, we've even seen that inside this series between the Golden Knights and the Avalanche. But at first, I, I think I'd agree with you, especially it, it was interesting to read and hear and see everything out of Canada that said, well, this is going to be great. I mean, you're going to have Battle of Alberta 10 times a year and then, you know, you're going to have the the early game is always going to be Montreal and Toronto on hockey yeah. night in Canada. It's just going to happen. But I think halfway through, I think it started to lose its luster, and I think that was true for, for every division uh, inside the NHL this year. Joined by the voice of the Colorado Avalanche, Connor McGahee here on 630 Chat Inside Sports. This series tied at two after the Avs took the first two games uh, in Denver. So now we're even after uh, two losses on the road. Uh, tell me the differences from games one and two compared to three and four for the Avs. Well, it, it, it might also, Dave, be the differences between game one and games two, three, and four because Vegas has been much better in each one of those. Uh, I mean, they've made it known that they can't keep up speed-wise with Colorado and and maybe don't have as many skilled players, so they have to go things uh, or go about things a different way. Um 
the Ford check has been relentless. Uh, they give nobody time and space, especially the Avalanche defensemen. And Colorado has really not been able to to find a different way to play, which is which is not an easy thing to do because when you're used to playing pretty much one way all season, uh, and then to to have to almost reinvent yourself inside of a series is necessary but difficult to do. But Colorado, you go from the latter stages of game two, uh, which Philip Grubauer probably stole for the Avalanche, but still the results are the results. It's 2 nothing at that point. Played well in game three. The rest of the team really didn't. But even though Vegas had their best game, they only win by one. And then last night, the 5-1 scoreline may be a little bit misleading. But mm-hmm. I think that Colorado is not used to, to being as bottled up as Vegas makes them. Um, it is not fun to watch most of the time. There's not a whole lot of flow to it. And Colorado, like I said, has to has to find different avenues to get back to how they want to play. And maybe it is a matchup thing. I mean, back on home ice for two of the last three, if necessary, that could benefit Colorado because then they can get the matchups that they're looking for because Pete DeBoer seemed to get those in games three and four there in Vegas. I, I found it very interesting, Connor, the uh, the post-game comments from head coach of the Avs, Jared Bednar, after game three and then after last night's game four loss, where game three, I mean, he came out and said this was a waste of time. We've been the we've been the you know we we haven't played very well or they've been the better team for five mm-hmm. periods. And and like you say, the score was misleading. Uh, it was a 5-1 loss, but maybe not the truest 5-1 loss. But yeah. Bedmar came out and said, I like how we played. I like how our big guns played. And, um, I, you know, hey, I like our effort going home. Uh, what, what do you make of that sort of the, I don't know if it's a tactic, or, but maybe it's just the tack that Bednar has had after the first, uh, or that after game three and game four by, com- you know, comparing the two. Well, Dave, I, I would say this about Jared Bednar, and he's been a perennial Jack Adams finalist and hasn't won, uh, even though I think he should have in a couple seasons back in 17, 18 in particular. 16 and 17, Colorado was the worst team in the NHL in 25 years with 48 points. Then the next year, they come back and qualify for the Stanley Cup playoffs, uh, beating the St. Louis Blues in game 82. Uh, but that happened to be the same year that Gerard Gallant took the Vegas Golden Knights all the way to the Stanley Cup final and and <laughs> finished their first season of existence as Pacific Division champions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so Bednar has lost out in that race a couple of times but it's not just the records it's it's how the team plays and he also has the skill that the great coaches have and that's sort of to have your antennas up and to know what message is going to work at what time and when it's not going to work and at what time it's not going to work and, and bednar has been very good about that especially with uh, a, a mix of players as well it's not easy to balance a superstar like nathan mckinnon and a young defenseman like connor timmons or alex newhook uh, who comes into the lineup and pretty much makes his debut late in the season and uh and starts the first uh, series of the stanley cup playoffs that's not an easy thing to do but bednar has the skill and the ability to know when to say things and how to say them and he felt that he needed to say them one way after game three and i'll be honest he definitely sees the game different than most of us do he knows what his team needs and if the ingredients are there for success uh, inside one game even though it's a loss he can see the building blocks being put in place for a better performance performance beg your pardon next time around and so that's what i think he's getting after post game in game four is he's starting to see little things 
like I said, despite the scoreline, despite the fact that the top line isn't really getting a ton of minutes. I mean, I think six minutes a period through through the first two, but uh, I think there were little things that maybe we're not, uh, we don't have acute senses about that he sees. Uh, and so that's why his tone probably changed after game four, even though the result was the same as game three. Well, we have a best of three now with this series tied at two and, you know, with the Montreal Canadiens oh so close to uh, reaching the yeah. Stanley Cup semifinal. I mean, this is the matchup that is... Saw that uh, coming. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, tell tell Toronto Maple Leaf fans they saw that coming, or even even Edmonton Oilers fans to I a know. certain extent. But uh, you know, I think it'll be nice too just to see some different matchups. Even though, I mean, it, I mean, we we're not we're not un, un, unaccustomed to seeing you know the cross or you know interdivisional play. Just this year, it's been rather strange. So it'll be nice once we get through this round. But hey, let's not let's not. Let's not rush through this series, especially because it's been a lot of fun so far. Uh, Connor, thanks so much for your time. Appreciate the, the, the time you always give us and the work that you do. And uh, I'm happy you're traveling again. And uh, <laughs> there will be a game six uh, in, in Vegas. So enjoy that. But first and foremost, enjoy game five tomorrow. I will, Dave. Thanks very much. Uh, appreciate it. Nice to talk to you guys up there again. Always love to have Connor McGahee, the voice of the Colorado Avalanche, as the Avs and Golden Knights are tied at two. Game five tomorrow in Denver. The winner of that series looks like we'll play the winner. The Montreal Canadiens are up 2-0 with two periods left to go from the Bell Center in Montreal. Having some problems with it. Poked ahead by Ehlers. Back to where the line on out. Kulak shot. The foot to the Arturi Lutkin in with the redirect. His second goal in as many games. Second time Winnipeg can't get the puck out. 2-0 Montreal. It was a very poor attempt by the Jets to clear the puck out. It was just basically a lunge by the player. I can't remember who it is uh, right now, but uh, didn't really catch the number, but it was just a poor attempt. Uh, puck thrown to Kulak, who blasts it and Lekkonen with the uh, deflection. So it is 2-0, the Montreal Canadiens, who have less scoring chances and less high danger chances than the uh, Jets so far, who played pretty well, I would say, as far as getting to the front of the net, which they haven't done very well in this playoff. Well, you get a point shot. You get a goal from a point shot, uh, shot and a deflection. Where uh, you, twice you did not clear the zone. Not good. Five three for the Islanders. Still into the uh, halfway part of the uh, third period of play. Islanders looking for the three two lead in their East Division final. When we come back, we'll uh, find out how uh, good those merch sales are going for the Edmonton Elks. I, I know they've been. Uh, kind of going viral in a lot of ways uh, it's it's been really cool to see and the cfl's gearing up for a 2021 season they're still talking with the xfl but the usfl apparently is making a comeback that more second hour of inside sports coming up it is campbell in for wilkie 6 30 chad inside sports with reed wilkins weekdays at six on 6 30 chad